0: Amen. It is good to be with you folks again. I thank the Lord for this opportunity. Uh, my name is Thomas Hawkins. We are with the Rock of Ages. Uh, this is my wife again, Stephanie, back here. And then there beside her is Isalina. And then on the lady in front of, I don't know your name, ma'am. I'm sorry. What is it? Linda, and she's holding my son Garrison, she's confiscated him, but I think my wife is thankful for that, give her a break, but uh, Garrison, the blessing, and then this is Vivian, and uh, Vivian's going to sing a little chorus this morning before I preach, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you, tell you a little bit about Rock of Ages, what the Lord's called us to do, and then we'll preach this morning. Go ahead, sing loud. appreciate that. It only cost me a frosty. No, I'm just kidding. One day she's going to cast in, cash in on all those frosties, I have promised. But anyway, I thank the Lord for my daughter, the blessing she is, and uh, her willingness to sing and be a help to us uh, in the ministry. And uh, anyway, we are with Rock of Ages. Uh, just real quick about Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages uh, celebrated 40 years in existence this year. We're very grateful for that. And the ministry started originally as a tape ministry, uh, printing gospel tapes, uh, tapes with uh, Bible preaching on them. And some of those tapes found their way into the prisons there in the state of Florida. And from that, some of the uh, officers, some of the wardens and chaplains said, guys, why don't you come in and hold a revival meeting inside of the prison? And so they agreed to do that and started doing that. And from that, the Rock of Ages prison ministry was founded. And the Lord has blessed our ministry over the last 40 years. It's grown in a great way. We now have missionaries operating all over the world. In fact, we are on every habitable continent today, and we're very grateful for that, working there on the foreign fields, working here in the United States, working in the prisons, working in the schools, working on military bases, and also working at helping churches uh, get established and planted in places where there are no Bible-believing churches. And so the Lord has blessed the ministry. Uh, Over the last 40 years, uh, as a result of our ministry and the Lord's blessing, there have been over 700,000 men and women who have trusted Christ as Savior as a result of our ministry. And we're very thankful for that. Amen. And what the Lord's done there. And so uh, that's kind of about the ministry. We are working there in the state of South Carolina, uh, focused on that state, working towards becoming a coordinator there this year. And we'll also be working other southeastern states as the Lord provides and the Lord allows. But it is just so good to be with you this morning and thank the Lord for this opportunity. Uh, If you will this morning, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew this morning. Matthew chapter number five. And we're going to read the first couple verses here and uh, see what the Lord has for us this morning. Standing all over the building this morning. Matthew chapter number 5, and I want to begin reading in verse number 1, Matthew 5 and verse number 1. The Bible says, "...and seeing the multitudes..." he. That he there is of course referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says and seeing the multitudes he went up into a mountain and when he was set his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying. Let's pray this morning. Father in heaven I love you this morning. Thank you Lord for an opportunity to be in thy house. Lord thank you for these that have gathered this morning. Lord I pray now that you'd please empty me of myself. Lord that you fill me with your spirit. Lord, remove any pride. Lord, remove any fear, Father, and give me the boldness that's necessary to preach thy word this morning. Father, I pray for my audience this morning. May they listen, Lord, with open ears and open hearts and be receptive to the word of God. Lord, make sinners be convicted and brought to a place of repentance. May Christians be challenged this morning. Father, give me good pace as I preach, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Real quick, we need to understand that the book of Matthew presents the Lord Jesus Christ as King, as King. I'm thankful, as we just come out of this Christmas season, that not only was the Lord Jesus Christ born Savior, but He was born Christ The Lord. He is king. There's never been a day that Christ has not been king. He will always be king and he always has been king. And we see here in the book of Matthew that the book of Matthew presents the Lord Jesus as king. Let me say quickly this morning that the eyes of the Lord are always open. The eyes of the Lord are always looking for people the eyes of the Lord are always seeing people. I understand, ladies and gentlemen, there's not a time where we can hide from the Lord. Whether we're alone and by ourselves or whether we're in a congregation of people, God sees us. I think about this morning that not only does God sees people, but God sees people's needs. Right. You know, there's this morning a congregation gathered here. And no doubt every one of us have different needs. We have different things that we want the Lord to do. We have different things that we need God to intervene in our lives. And so God also sees needs. Not only that, but let me say this morning that God understands the value of people. Uh, God understands the value of people. I think about how the Lord sees people in Proverbs 5, in verse 21, the Bible says this, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. In other words, God's thinking about what we're doing. He sees what we're doing, but not only sees what we're doing, he's thinking about what we're doing and how we're doing things. A little later on in Proverbs 15, verse 3, the Bible says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. He sees the things that we do good. He sees the things that we do right. He also sees the things we do wrong and the things we do evil. There's nothing hidden from the eyes of the Lord. Notice this morning in our text, there's a phrase that I'd like to point out here. It says here in verse five, chapter five, verse one, and seeing The multitude. Seeing the multitude. Let me say this morning that Jesus Christ was aware that there were people around Him. He was aware that there were people who had needs. He was aware that there were people who were misunderstood, people who were forgotten, and He saw the value in these people. The term multitude simply means a great number, a crowd, or the sum of many. Uh, You could just about say this morning that in front of me, in this congregation, we have a small multitude of people. I think about how that the Lord Jesus began to gather this multitude. If you were to look back in chapter number four of of, of the book of Matthew, uh, Christ begins to gather the multitude. Notice quickly the condition of the multitude. Look at verse number uh, 24 of this uh, verse, or yeah, it's verse 24 of chapter number 4. It says, His fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had palsy, and he healed them. Notice the condition of the multitudes. It says here that they were sick people. It says they were tormented people. It says they were people that were possessed with devils. It was people that were lunatic. It was people who had palsy. You could say this morning that in the eyes of the world, this multitude would have been worthless. In the eyes of the world, this multitude would have been misfits or outcasts. But the Lord Jesus saw their value. A little later on in the same chapter, verse, chapter number 4 and verse 25, it says, And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. You could say this morning uh, that we see here where the multitude came from. This was a diverse, that's a term we use a lot today, a diverse group of people. They were from Syria, Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond Jordan. This multitude didn't come from one place. It came from all over. This multitude came from different regions. They came from different walks of life. In the eyes of the Lord, or in the eyes of the world, their prejudice should have divided them. They shouldn't have been able to get along with one another. You say, why is the world in this condition it is in? Why can't we get along with one another? It's because we don't have the Lord Jesus in our lives. And we are a prejudiced people, if you will. We see that in the eyes of the world, their prejudice should have divided them. But I see here in verse number one of chapter number five, the Lord Jesus sees the multitude. Let me say this morning that unlike Christ... We often overlook the multitudes. We often uh, forget about the multitudes that we're surrounded by. In our human eyes, we as people fail to see the value in people. How many times have we said of someone, they'll never amount to anything? How many times have we thought in our minds as we saw somebody maybe standing on the street corner or we saw someone come across the, the news that had made a mistake or messed up and we thought to ourselves, that person is useless and good for nothing. I remember a time in my life when I was in about the seventh grade, I had a teacher tell me that I was good for nothing, I wouldn't ever amount to anything and, and there was no use in me even being in the class that I was in. He didn't see any value in me. Let me say that we live in a world today of where there's a multitude of people. They're all around us. And much like the multitude in the day of Christ, they are in the same sad condition. Let me say quickly this morning, the multitudes today are sick. Whether physically or spiritually, the multitudes are sick. We live in a world today where men and women are sin sick. They're sick of their sin. They're sick of their lives. They're sick of their addictions. They're sick of what they're dealing with and they can't figure out how to handle those situations, how to get over those sicknesses, if you will. We live in a world today where people are tormented. Why do people commit suicide? They're tormented. Why do people turn to drugs and alcohol to try to escape their reality? It's because they're tormented people. Not only that, but you consider this today, there are people all around us hurting. So oftentimes we focus on ourselves and we say, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've been through. When reality, we don't know what somebody else has been through. We need to realize that there's always somebody somewhere worse off than what we are. Somebody's hurting more than we are. Somebody's facing more than what we're facing. And we often forget that. Let me say thirdly here that we live in a world full of lunatics. You say, that's kind of funny. No, it ain't funny. But you think about it. The thinking of mankind. In reality, people are acting like lunatics. They think that aborting a baby is all right. They think that sodomy is okay. They think that sexual perversion is fine and there's nothing wrong with it. That's the thinking of a lunatic. We live in a world today where people are paralyzed, paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by addiction, paralyzed by doubt, paralyzed by all types of different things, afraid to move, afraid to do anything, and they're stuck in their position. Much like the multitude that follows Christ, the multitudes today are in the same condition. Not only that, but the multitudes today also come from all over. We live, as I've already said, we use that term often nowadays, and at a diverse world where people come from all types of different races. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a great opportunity to reach the gospel, or reach the world with the gospel of Christ from our own backyard. Yep. The mission field has come to us. Yep. We don't have to go to it. Yep. You consider, I remember one time, one of the worst jobs I ever worked. I ended up work unloading ferns off the back of an 18-wheeler. When I go to Lowe's in springtime, I don't even want to walk past those ferns. You wouldn't believe. 15,000 ferns on the back of 18-wheelers, and we unloaded seven to eight a day. But the thing about it was, I was the only guy on the job that was from America originally, if you know what I'm saying. There was two from the Philippines. There was one from Colombia. There was a couple from somewhere else. And I realized that right there, I had a mission field. I had an opportunity to tell somebody of Christ. I remember the fellow named Bill. Bill was from the Philippines. Bill was that tall. And what Bill would do is he would get the ferns on the bottom shelf and hand them to me and I would stack them on the top shelf. That's just how we worked all day long. I found out Bill had never heard the name Jesus Christ. And I had an opportunity to give him a track. He read Spanish better than he did English. So I got him a Spanish track. You think about it today. The races come from all over. Think about this. We're all different ages. We range in age from young to old. Not only that, different nationalities, different prejudices, if you will. You know, oftentimes we associate prejudice with one group of people. But understand this, there's prejudice across the board. And we as believers need to understand that like Christ's multitude, we need to realize we all come from different races, different ages, different nationalities, and different prejudices. But we also must learn to see the value in people. We, like Christ, must see the multitudes. This morning, for the time that I have, I'd simply like to point out four things that seeing the multitudes ought to do in our lives. You see, when Christ saw the multitudes, it caused Him to react in a certain way. It caused Him to do some things in a certain way. And me and you as believers, Christ is our example. We are Christians. We're to be Christ-like. Therefore, when we see the multitudes, we ought to react in this way. Let me say, first of all, in seeing the multitudes, it will cause us to take personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. Notice in our text it said, He went up into a mountain, He was set. And then, verse 2, He opened His mouth. Three times the word He appears. Three times it appears he went, he said he opened. As Christ looked at the multitude, he took personal responsibility to do something for that multitude. You think about it this morning, Christ did not send Peter or Andrew forward. Christ did not call an angel down to help this multitude. The Lord Jesus didn't summon the scribes or the Pharisees. He and himself determined to teach them and to give them this great sermon on the mount here in chapter number 5. The Lord Jesus said, I'm going to take personal responsibility for this multitude. He himself healed them. He himself saw their need. Let me say, we today have a personal responsibility to see the multitudes and help them. Understand that it's not society, it's not government, it's not false religions to reach the multitudes. But it is the job of the church to reach the multitudes. For far too long, we have relied on those outside the walls of the church and outside the family of God to change society and it has gotten where we are today because of that we as believers must learn that it is our responsibility to change the world in which we live in i was reading as i studied for this and according to national geographic there are over 100 uncontacted tribes around the world 100 uncontacted that means they have no contact with the outside world they're isolated now you think about this, those who have never heard the gospel of Christ and those are the only ones that are isolated. Imagine the ones today in our world that are not isolated, that does have contact with the outside world, that have never heard the gospel. They've never had a witness, they've never heard the name Jesus, they've never seen a Bible, they have no concept. Yes, they may know there's a creator, yes, they may know there's a God, but they don't know who He is. We as believers have a responsibility to reach those folks. As I said in Sunday school, there are 10 million inmates worldwide, 2.7 million in the United States of America. We have a responsibility to reach those folks. Millions living in the United States that have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel of Christ. If you were to leave this area and start traveling the country, you'll soon find that there's not a Bible-believing church on every corner throughout our nation. We must see the multitude and take it on ourselves to reach them for Christ. You say, how in the world do we reach the entire world? We reach the next one. And then 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 we reach the next one. one. You think about the great missionaries, Jim Elliott and other men, uh, Livingston and all those that went around the world. How did they reach the world? Somebody reached them and then they reached the next one. So many times we get overwhelmed at the thought, well, how am I supposed to reach these tribes? And how am I supposed to reach these inmates? And how am I supposed to do this? You're to be the soul winner. You're to be the Christian you ought to be. You're to win people to Christ. And in doing so, you don't know what God will do with the next one. I say, secondly, we must not only take personal responsibility, but we must become personally personally accessible. Notice the Lord Jesus went up into a mountain. He made himself where he could have access to the people. He placed himself where he could help. He placed himself where he could be found. Let me say this morning for us to help the multitudes of people, we must become accessible. We miss opportunities because we do not allow people to access ourselves, we don't make ourselves available to help them to the multitude. We are not accessible because of several reasons. First of all, because of sin. I understand, ladies and gentlemen, there's somebody watching us in the society we live in. The multitude has our eyes on it, and they know that we're supposed to be a believer. They know we're supposed to be born again. And as they look at us, if we fall into sin, we've no longer made ourselves accessible to be able to reach them with the gospel of Christ. I know a young man today, he's lost. And uh, in fact, I heard him talking the other day uh, and he made this statement. He said, some of my best customers at the bar go to the Southern Baptist Church. You wonder why he's lost. Hey, it's because those so-called Christians are there carrying on like the world and they've completely made themselves inaccessible to be able to reach him. You think about it in our lives as we live our lives and conduct ourselves, does our sin prevent us from being acceptable to that sinner? Accessible to that sinner. Then I say, secondly, our prejudice, whether it's race, whether it's social standing, uh, whatever the reason may be, oftentimes we allow our prejudice to say, you know what? I'm not willing to be accessible so that I could reach the lost. I'll be honest with you. There was a time in my life when I was a young man, there was a certain race that I thought was to blame for all the problems in the world. But I got saved and the Lord changed my mind on that. And I realized it didn't matter what color they were. It didn't matter what race they were. It didn't matter where they came from. It didn't matter if they looked like me, talked like me, acted like me. It didn't no longer matter. They needed Christ. Then I say thirdly, our attitude often prevents us from being accessible. Pride. We think we've arrived on the scene. We are that uh, religious person. We're above the sinner. We're too good to give help to the lost. Say, oh, I ain't got time for them. I need to go read my Bible. What's wrong with you, man? I'm going to be five minutes late for church if I go talk to that homeless fellow over there. Come on. I think your pastor will understand that. But we allow that pride to build up inside of us and our attitudes towards sinners. Oh, they're getting what they deserve. Oh, they, they deserve where they're at. Oh, they deserve their Hey, hold on. Wait a minute. That pride will prevent us from winning the lost. Then I think about our time prevents us from being accessible. Because of the busy life we live in, we allow the multitudes to pass us by. We don't take the time to maybe go knock on that door one more time. We don't take the time at the gas pump to pass the track. We, we don't take that time that's necessary. Let me ask you something. If somebody was to call you at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, I want to get saved, would you take the time to do it? Would you take the time to get in your car and go out there in 13 degree weather and, and go to where they were? Now do it within reason in a safe way. But you know what I'm saying. So many times somebody might be ready to be one and we say, oh, I just ain't got the time. You ever been laying riding, riding down the road and the Lord said, you need to go talk to so-and-so. Lord, I, I got to get here and I got to do that. And I go, wait a minute, that might have been the day. We must become personally, uh, personally ex- ex- accessible. I want to say this morning, what if the one told you of Christ was not accessible? What if my pastor wasn't accessible? What if my dad said, I ain't got time for that, son, I got to go to work in the morning. Where would I be this morning? We have made our lives and the things of God so complicated and overcomplicated that we're no longer accessible to those that need to hear the gospel. Then I say thirdly, we must realize that we need to make personal proclamation. The Lord Jesus in our text, he opened his mouth and taught them. So many times the Lord, he opened his mouth and taught them Christ did not remain quiet or unspoken. In seeing the multitude, he saw their need and instructed them concerning the things of God. The multitudes today have no understanding of God. They have no understanding of the things of God. Why is that? It's because we failed to open our mouths correctly. They have no concept of what a Christian is. They have no concept of what a Baptist is. They have no concept of what being born again is. They have no understanding of those things. Why? We've failed to teach folks. So many times you ask the simplest Bible question to young people raised in the house of the Lord. And they can't answer it. You say, what was Daniel's three friends? Oh, do SpongeBob, Bugs Bunny, Yosemite Sam, you know. You say, where, where, who did David take out with that stone and that sling? I don't know. Jack, you know, that's the thought. Why? It's because we've talked about everything else but the Word of God. You know, as a father, I've got a responsibility to instruct those children in the things of the Lord. As a husband, I've got a responsibility to instruct my wife in the things of God. As a mother, she has to instruct the children. As a preacher, I have a responsibility to preach the Word of God wherever I'm at. We've failed so many times because we've talked about everything else but the Bible and the things of God. Why is there no respect for the Word of God? Why is there no respect for God's man? Why is there no fear of God and judgment and hellfire? It's because no one is proclaiming the things of God. Why is Satan pictured as a a person that's red with a forked tail and all of those things? We've not proclaimed who he is. Why is hell thought to be the grave? It's because we've not said anything. Why does a young man or a young woman get saved and never return to the house of God? It's because they don't know they're supposed to. You know, several years ago, maybe 40, 50 years ago, they knew that. It was kind of common sense. But we live in a society where men and women have been starved for the things of God, and when they get saved, they have no clue what the next step is. They don't understand that there's believer's baptism. They don't understand that there's prayer life. They don't understand there's Bible reading. They don't understand they need to come to the house of the Lord. We as a people who know these things must continue and must go after them. We must pursue those born again new believers. We must proclaim that salvation is by grace through faith. We must proclaim that believer's baptism follows, is a following of Christ and a picture of us fully surrendering our lives to Him. We must proclaim that sanctification and separate living are needed and Christian liberties are there. We must proclaim that you must find God's will for your life. We must proclaim that Jesus is coming again. And let me say we must do so with a correct attitude and a correct mindset, extending grace to a new believer. More new believers have been run off by Pharisees than the devil. We think somebody walks in the house of God and they get saved and they're supposed to know it all. And If they don't know it all next week, we're going to say something. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to run somebody off and you're going to hinder a life for Christ. Not only that, but if daddy gets saved, he brings his family next week and you run off daddy, his family's not saved. You're responsible for those souls that are lost. We must learn to personally proclaim these things and instruct in the word of God. And then lastly this morning, we must realize that we have a personal following. Over in chapter number eight of the book of Matthew says here, Latter part of verse number 28, it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings. This is the same scene, if you will. The Lord sitting on the mountain there teaching uh, these these principles here. It, it says, Say, the people were astonished at his doctrine, um, for he taught them as one having authority in the scribe. Notice verse number 8. I'm sorry, I messed up. 8 verse 1. When he came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. You see, Jesus. Because he displayed his love and his compassion, he had a following. You know that verse over there in the book of Psalms 23? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of our life. You know, oftentimes we think that that's God's mercy and goodness following. No, that's what we're leaving behind. You see what I'm saying? Leaving behind that goodness, leaving behind that mercy. Or are we leaving behind destruction and despair? And what's following us ain't goodness and mercy, but it's trouble and heartache. As believers, we must learn that somebody's watching us and we must lead them in the ways of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul said this, be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. Paul said, I'm an example, follow me. Later on in Philippians 3, 17, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have uh, have us for an example. The apostle Paul said, you can follow me because I'm setting the example. Understand that somebody's following you. Where are you leading them to? You think about it. Moses left to Joshua. Elijah left an Elisha. Naomi left to Ruth. Paul had a Timothy. The only thing that you can take to heaven with you are the souls of the men and women that follow you. I'm thankful this morning that there are men that God put in my life that I was able to follow and able to learn after and able to gain some instruction. And I, most of those couple of those men are in heaven already. But because of the things I learned from them, because of the things they taught me and how they helped me in my life, I am what I am today. Ladies and gentlemen, we must create a following and it must be an appropriate one. So in closing this morning, we must not remain blind or unconscious to the multitudes. We, like Christ, must realize we have to see the multitudes around us. And in seeing the multitudes we must take responsibility for our multitudes. You know, your multitudes not the same as my multitudes. You know, I live in, I grew up in China Grove, that was my multitude. I live in Stateful, that's my multitudes. I go to prison, that's my multitudes. I travel up and down the highways, that's my multitudes. The town you live in, that's your multitudes. The place you work, that's your multitudes. Young people, the school you go to and the friends you run with, that's your multitudes you're responsible for those multitudes. Then we must become accessible. We must get into a position where we have the ability for somebody to reach us that we might reach them. So that we can win souls. We must become proclaimers of the gospel. The things of God. And then we must always be leading in the right direction. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. And seeing the multitudes... He went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you so much for the liberty you've given me in preaching this morning. Thank you so much for the attention to the Word of God. Lord, I do pray now that you'd please take the message. May you speak to hearts this morning according to thy will. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor, if you'll come this morning.
1: Miss Martha Colton, if one of y'all come to if you'll stand with me all over the building this morning, while every heads bow, every eyes closed for just a minute, my what truth this morning, amen. maybe you hear here this morning, maybe you're part of the multitude, maybe you're sick, paralyzed, maybe you're this morning, you're paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by doubt, there's many in that condition, I've been there, amen, how many of you have been there? You've been paralyzed by fear. You've been in a place that because of fear you would not do. You would not go. You would not say. Right. You've been paralyzed by that. Somebody's on this shoulder saying, no, you can't. And God's saying on this shoulder, go, do. Yes. Paralyzed by that. Maybe you're in that condition. Or maybe you passed that. But you failed to see the multitude. Friend, Jesus done those things. He saw the multitude. He went. He was set. And he opened his mouth. What stage are you in? Where are you at? Friend, may be the little lady on your job that you work with. May be the men you work with. What's your multitude? May be your family members. May be your husband. May be your wife. May be your children. May be grandchildren. May God help us this morning. May God give us eyes to see the soul of the multitude that we see more than just sin stricken lives But we see souls that Jesus loves so dearly you see when Jesus went to Calvary he went to Calvary for the child molester he went there for the most ungodly young God yes. the murderer, the thief yes. he went to Calvary for the drunkard and the drug addict. He went to Calvary for the good old boys that's never accepted Christ. He went to Calvary for people just like me and you. May God help us this morning. Maybe you won't get this song and say, Preacher, say, God, I want eyes to be able to see the soul of the multitude.
0: Maybe
1: you're here this morning, maybe you've never been
0: slain.
1: You've never missed the Calvary. This will be a good No, no tender voice, so go like can be you, you can see dimly. I need I to, to thee, thee to the I need thee. You, you are, are. saying God's give you somebody. God's give you a multitude. God help us not go to white. How those doors! I right? like what the preacher brings. We reach somebody else; they reach somebody. Else. That's the way this thing works. When Jesus gave the great commission in the book of Acts, He said, "Beginning in Jerusalem, we've been studying on that. Beginning in Jerusalem, where they was, it went out from there. Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. It started at home, and it went out abroad. The land it starts with you." You win somebody else. It keeps, on going. It keeps on going. How can we reach the world? Like what he said. You think about that. God's put you in a place. You say, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I don't work with the young people. God's puts you somewhere. Amen. Some of the most godly, the most powerful people I've been around are people that of position had no prominence. But they had God on them. And they saw the value in me. They saw the value in you. And whether we was up on the mountain hunting, whether we was down at the creek fishing, whether we was at school playing ball, whatever we was doing, they found an opportunity to witness to give us God's word. Thank God for people like that. May God help us to be that church, yes. to be that kind of people. I love you this morning. Appreciate Brother Thomas being here this morning. His family, he's going to be in the back door.